This is Harrison Kim, and you're listening to Working With People by PaveStep. The Working With People podcast is for executives, managers, and people leaders. We bring people experts together to provide you with relevant content on how to think about and manage your most important asset, your talent. We have Phil here with us today. How are you, Phil? Hey, Harrison. I'm doing all right. How about yourself? I am doing well. Where are you calling in from? I'm calling in from my home office in Boston, Massachusetts. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so today we're going to be talking about how to utilize HR tech to reach its fullest potential. It's a little bit of a different topic today, a unique topic. I'm really happy to have you here. Um, but before we dive in, tell us who you are and what you do. Sure. So I originally started my career off working in venture capital, doing early stage software investing at a firm called Bessemer Venture Partners that you might know from investments like LinkedIn or even something like Pinterest or Skype. I always wanted to start a business. And so I went to business school and while I was there, I taught myself how to program, started a small HR tech business. And about two years ago, I hired somebody to be the general manager for that business so that I could start selectsoftwarereviews.com. And that's the website that I run today. What we do is spend all day long trying to understand the people tech or HR tech landscape and then educate our readership on how to get the most out of tools to hire and retain and build culture and all that stuff that people leaders really want to do. About 40,000 companies a month read our website, check out our community, et cetera. Awesome. And uh, yeah, that's kind of kind of my jam. Was it difficult learning how to code? It's a lot of brain damage. I'm not going to lie. Learning how to program is quite difficult. And I actually tried to do it a couple of times previously by just reading books. Mm. And the way that I kind of got over the hump and actually started doing stuff that was useful was I had a project that I was really passionate about. And I think you need that passion, that drive in order to get through all the really frustrating times when you are trying to debug something and you spend three hours to realize, you know, a semicolon was out of place or something like that. <laughs> so it was tough, but it, it's a really useful skill set. Right. And I don't code as much right now. Like I probably write like 150 lines of code a year, but it's super useful to understand how to manage engineering teams, how technology is built, what's possible, what's not. Yeah. So it, it was a worthwhile experience for sure. Awesome. Awesome. All right, so let's dive in. Um, what are some key indicators or what should we be really looking out for um, to tell us that it is time for an organization to revamp their HR software or HR tech stack? Any thoughts there? It's a great question. I think that my, what I always recommend is people teams to kind of look at three different frameworks to understand where tools should be implemented. One is look at your current business and all the pain points that you're experiencing and try to figure out, can tools play a role here? And so, for example, you might be looking at the retention rate of customer service reps at your organization and it, and you're like, geez, you know, our average tenure is eight months or something really, really low. Okay, let's look at our employee engagement tech. Let's look at performance reviews. Let's look at rewards and recognition. 
maybe you're using outdated systems that you just kind of know haven't been updated in a really long time, or maybe you're not using anything at all. And that's a really great time to say, all right, let's look at the ecosystem of tools out there. Let's get a cross-functional team, hopefully internally to sort of help us vet these tools and, and let's pick something and run with it. The other way to think about where and when to implement tools is to look at your employee lifecycle. So I literally, when I talk to companies, encourage them to map out the first touch that a potential employee has with your company all the way through an alumni. What are all the different steps, you know, the recruiting process, onboarding, your first 90 days, et cetera. Right. And what are the places where it's breaking down? Maybe you have a lot of people who are leaving after the first year, so you got to fix onboarding. Maybe you're having people that don't accept offers and you got to fix compensation. Whatever the case may be where you have those weaknesses, those are great places to look at updating your tech stack. The last framework I always recommend is to just listen to your gut. You're taking in data all day long from talking to colleagues, looking at metrics, sitting in meetings, and you're going to kind of know in the back, the, the sort of deep, dark recesses of your brain, where you should be spending time. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. It's an interesting thing to think about, right? I mean, sometimes it's kind of like, we don't even have the data to identify where the problems are. Okay. That's a sign. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and a lot of companies are in those situations and, and like, having a really good data driven organization is tough. And so yeah. if you've got to rely on what, you know, the VP of sales or engineering or whatever is telling you anecdotally, I think that's an okay place to start. Like don't wait two years to get your data in order before you pull the trigger. You've got to get going ASAP on the stuff that is plaguing your business the, the, the most. And so you can capture that value and be like, Hey, like, look what I did. Um, you know, HR rocks, you guys should give us more resources. Right. Right. Perfect. Perfect. Um, so tactically when people are, you know, evaluating and comparing HR software solutions, what criteria uh, should people be thinking about? I think there's your, your must to have criteria and it depends on the different business, right? So yeah. I talked to somebody a few weeks ago that runs a staffing company in Southern United States for janitors. And they have very different needs than somebody who is recruiting for nurses or somebody who runs a software company. Yep. You got to think about what are the core things that you need to have? What are the workflows and what are the integrations as well? Maybe you have uh, HRIS or ATS or payroll system that is not going anywhere and you need something that integrates with it. Then there's the nice to have stuff. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if this had maybe diversity is important to us, maybe uh, you know an integration with our onboarding system, et cetera. And then there's a few other kind of pro tips that I like to think about. Uh, one obviously is pricing. So different pricing models can have huge implications for how much you pay in the future. And that's really important. Some companies will charge per employee, some will charge per hire. You mm -hmm. gotta be really aware of that stuff. The last, Pro tip that I'll offer is that when you talk to companies, the quality of your sales rep can actually say a lot about the quality of the product that you're about to buy. And the reason is because the best salespeople, they want to work for companies that have strong products where they can make quota and they can make a ton of money. They don't want to work for some company where all the customers complain, it's terrible word of mouth. 
marketing can't get anybody on the phone and they're just making their base salary, which is, you know, 50% of their overall comp. And so if you've got a salesperson who's organized, who's efficient, who's giving you the right answers, bespoke demos, that's actually a really good sign that this is going to be a good vendor. Right. Right. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and this, this question is a bit of a, bit of a thing that most people are thinking about when they're thinking about HR tech, I think, right. Or they should be, which is implementation, right? Like what is needed for a successful implementation for HR tech? And I guess when I say successful implementation, right. I define that as not only, yes, you're getting what you were asked, what you asked for and what you wanted, but also after the implementation, you're getting real adoption with your employees. I think that's really an important aspect. Um, any thoughts there? I think the number one thing that companies screw up is they don't stick to the plan that the vendor lays out. Your vendor of choice has a really high incentive to make you successful when you buy a new piece of software and the account manager the way that they're going to make their bonus next year is whether or not you renew your contract and whether or not you renew your contract is incumbent upon a successful implementation. And so because they, you're now like hundred percent on the same team during the sales process, you're kind of on the same team. You're kind of negotiating against yourself. When mm -hmm. you sign that contract, you're on the same team. Right. And so you've got to listen to your coach who's done this 400 times before and knows exactly how to do it. And you got to stick to that plan. You, you can't say, oh, gosh, I, I don't want to, you know, do this data migration this week. Let's just push it off till next month because that stuff compounds and you lose the momentum. And for a lot of employee tech, you've got to have everybody else in the company using it. And so when your momentum goes away, that means it's harder to get employees to use something. It's harder to get hiring managers right. to move use something. So you just got to really stick to that plan. Yep, 100%. And on that plan, and, and I think you're going to touch on this, um, you know, later as well, but how important is leadership buy-in? You know, a lot of people talk about when you think about change management, leadership sponsorship and leadership buy-in, they're very important. Any thoughts there? It's, yeah, it's, it's super important. I personally recommend that before any sort of large people initiative, you do essentially a roadshow to all the hmm. main stakeholders in the company. So friend of mine was head of talent acquisition at a pretty large company that was growing really quickly. And he wanted to have a big focus on employer branding, which is essentially how do we market ourselves to candidates? And in order to execute on his plan, he needed to change the career website. He needed to get PR involved. He needed to get the paid acquisition team involved, all these different stakeholders. And so before he went and executed, he put together a presentation that was basically like, here's the pain point. We've got to hire 3000 people next year. Here's the solution. We market ourselves a great place to work. Here's how we're going to do it. And here's why I need your buy-in. Mm -hmm. And when you get the CTO one-on-one, -on -one, you get the CMO one-on-one -on -one, and you pitch them to this, it doesn't take that long. This could be a 15 or 20 minute meeting, but then two months later, when you're trying to get that new career site live, and the person on the marketing team who controls the overall website says, well, wait a minute, you know, I don't know if we should do this. Like we want to approve this. You just email the CMO and you say, Hey, remember that whole thing? Just tell Danny in uh, the website department that we need to get this live. And so it can really be a huge feather in your cap to do that upfront work. In addition, you're going to get their feedback and different people 
have different perspectives that can help you refine your plan as well. Right. So I, I think it's huge and I think it's worth investing in. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and from our end as well, we see this uh, from a data perspective. You know, we work with certain clients that have great leadership buy-in uh, with, you know, feedback and performance uh, management on our side. And we just work with some that don't have as strong leadership buy-in. And, and we really see the adoption difference between those two groups um, pretty visibly. It's, it's a really 100%. interesting thing to see. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Go it ahead, can sorry. be really frustrating if you, I mean, I've seen, you know, I, I cite like my one friend who did this correctly. I can tell you 50 stories of people who haven't done it correctly and it's a complete disaster and people <laughs> wonder why, you know, they can't get things done or they're frustrated internally. And it's like, well, you didn't do the work up front to sell this thing and make sure everybody was aligned on this plan. And so it's, it's really up to you to make it happen. It's just making an excuse if you say, you know, well, they won't let me do X, Y, Z. You got to pitch it. Right, right, right. Um, so one, uh, I, I have two more questions. One question I think a lot of people think about when it, when it comes to investing in HR tech or really any initiative is ROI, right? Um, yeah. How do HR and people leaders calculate or prove the ROI of these investments? What, what metrics can they use? What, what should they be thinking about? It's definitely harder than other parts of the organization. And HR has been thought of as a cost center forever. Most companies just try to decrease costs, decrease costs. They don't think about how HR can increase value to the company or decrease costs throughout the rest of the organization. We've actually got a whole page about this on our website with like calculators and videos and like all this stuff, if anybody wants to go super deep. But there are a few main levers that you can pull to drive ROI for the different parts of the business. So one is decreasing time to fill. Imagine a sales team that has a hundred reps and they want to hire a hundred more. Each of those reps is bringing in money every single day that they're in that seat and ramped up. And so every day that you can decrease the hiring cycle by mm -hmm. is days that you can increase revenue. And it's obvious the value that a salesperson brings. It might be less obvious for customer success person, engineer, product manager, but those people bring value as well. Otherwise they wouldn't be paid a salary unless right. your business is really bad allocating capital. And so there's, there's tremendous value in decreasing time to fill. And you can do that by having better sourcing, having a better apply process, having automated assessments, um, having the right compensation plans, et cetera. Other big levers are what I would consider increasing the employee lifetime value. So you can get employees to refer other employees that decreases your talent acquisition costs. Mm -hmm. You can get employees to ramp up faster. You can get employees to stay longer. You can get employees to upskill faster. There's all these different ways that you can improve the culture of your organization, improve the employee experience that also add value to your overall business. The last kind of main source is from talent acquisition costs. Companies spend so much money on recruiting, whether it's third-party recruiters or yeah. LinkedIn licenses or whatever the case may be. And if you're smart about it, you can drastically decrease those costs. Yeah, absolutely. And when it comes to retention too, I think um, one of the podcast guests actually put it quite easily. I was like, how do you think about, you know, ROI and retention? Sometimes talent management software doesn't get as much love. And she was like, well, 
you just tell them to look at the salary line in their financial statements. She, she was a CFO. And she's like, if you spent $10 million of salary expenses last year and 40% of that uh, expense and those people related to those expenses are not here today, that should be big enough and simple enough for you, people to understand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess what's kind of cool, another way to think about it is if you're spending 10 million bucks a year, anybody who's only been at the company for six months, you're breaking even at best on that person, right? Like it takes you a while mm -hmm. to kind of like get good at your job and add value. And so if you're if the term, if the average tenure in your company is two years, that means 50% of people are one year on average. So you get a lot of people who aren't ROI positive, but if, if you're spending 10 million bucks on everybody who's been there for seven, eight, nine years, you can feel really good about that spend. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. Awesome. Um, one last quick question. Any interesting trends that in HR tech that you've seen recently, anything that people should be you know, thinking about, be mindful of? Yeah, there, there's a couple that I find to be pretty interesting. One is, the rise of artificial intelligence to uh, help on the recruiting as well as the employee experience side of things. Another is diversity hiring and retention. Almost every tool out there has some sort of diversity module now, and, and some of them are actually quite good. And the last one I think is just uh, more focus on data. So performance management systems, right. people analytics systems, there's just more and more ways for your people ops team to become a strategic part of the business that adds a lot of value and, and can point to it and say, Hey, look, you know, we did X, Y, Z thing. Here's the data. Here's how that translates in a way that the CFO will appreciate um, and therefore give us more resources. So I, I think for me, those are some of the more interesting trends. Well, cool. awesome. Well, those are all the big questions that I had. Hey, Phil, I really do appreciate your time here. Where can the audience find you and your thought leadership? Thanks, Harrison. You can check out selectsoftwarereviews.com. If you want to connect, find me on LinkedIn, Phil Strazula. Um, I do have a blog that I write in every like six months or so. If you want to maybe learn more about investing and, and stuff like that, that's sort of my, my personal hobby. Um, and yeah, I really appreciate you uh, having me on the show. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, everyone, thank you for listening to Working With People by PaveStep. Feel free to check out other episodes on pavestep.com slash podcast. Thanks, Phil. Thank you.